Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, guys? We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! Thank you for joining us. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vazana, and as always, my brother Noel. Hey, Noel, did you hear? COVID's been eradicated. (laughs) By who? Well, I guess by your work. I wanted to congratulate you for officially being back in the office full time. So oh, nice yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Business as usual. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, yeah, hey, stay the course, man. Stay the course. Titans in Minnesota are apparently too. Yeah, get to that a little bit later. Yeah. But November 4th, I guess. It's when it's going to disappear. So yeah, yeah, it that's is. That's a big day. It is, it is. It's just going to poof, gone. <laughs> uh, let me get through this real quick. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook group. Just search Beltway Sports Bros. You can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. Oh, Noel, you can't make fun of me about this. We actually have an article that you wrote this time entitled, Ron Rivera, Practice What You Preach, sitting on the websites, doing quite well, surprisingly. I'm I'm very thank surprised. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. It's not as hard as I thought it would be. All your gloating for absolutely nothing was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a humble person. Oh, I didn't please. even bring it up. It was just, hey, thank you. Thank you for the accolades, everyone. It's Pretty good. You should be proud of yourself. And I told you, it's it's really not hard. Just kind of throw something together and yeah, piece you know. it together. Throw it, throw it against the wall. See if it sticks. Good for you. I'm happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> but one last thing, you are listening to the show right now, right? So simply hit subscribe or the follow button so you don't miss a single episode going forward. All right, let's get on with it, shall we? Let's do it. Let's start with an injury update for your Washington football team. Awful news to start. Unfortunately, defensive tackle Matt Ioannidis was put on injured reserve after tearing his biceps during Sunday's loss. He's expected to miss the rest of the season. Good stuff there. All right. And then a little update here as well. With the loss of Ioannidis, Washington is signing defensive end Nate Orchard off the practice squad, who actually wasn't too bad last year. I know Rivera remembers him well. So Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And then some better news uh, with the next two. Defensive end Chase Young left the game in the first quarter due to a groin injury. Young had an MRI on Monday and it came back, quote unquote, better than expected. And we will know more on Wednesday, according to ESPN's John Kime. Young is listed as questionable officially. Finally, wide receiver Dontrell Inman, who had two touchdowns on Sunday, left the game due to a wrist injury. His x-ray came back negative and his wrist was not fractured. So he's also listed as questionable. Very surprising there. We thought he was would never see the field again. In Washington lore, <laughs> that was first and last time. We hardly knew ye. I thought that <laughs> right. was how it was going to be. But the swan song. You know, yeah, good. They need all the help they can get, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And the Chase Young thing, I mean, how he was on the sideline, it didn't look that dramatic. Whatever it is, I'm sure it was just precautionary. Hopefully that's all it is. Um, but the way the mannerisms were on the sideline and when he was high-fiving guys, walking back and forth on the sideline, it didn't look like it was the end of the world. Well, it was a preseason game, so yeah. you, know, you get what now, you pay for. Now, with the Ioannidis thing, I mean, thank goodness they have depth on the defensive line, but that's a huge loss. I, I, I feel horrible for the guy. It's 
one notch down on the biggest strength of the team by far. But I think they'll be all right. Kind of reminds me of like when they were loaded at offensive line that one year when Kirk was there. And yeah. they just had guys just dropping like flies. You were like, oh, it's all right. They, they've plug got and depth. play, plug and play. They've got plenty yeah. of depth. It's going to be fine. Then another one dropped. Then another yeah, one yeah. dropped. And then they, they were pulling guys off the street. Right. So. Well, hopefully we don't get there. But <laughs> if he keeps stopping pulling up on games early, we won't have to worry about that kind of shit. They won't get gassed in the fourth quarter because they'll already be sitting on the bench. Got to avoid those injuries. Yeah, man. Well, funny you mentioned that. Moving on. Uh, head coach Ron Rivera was asked if there was a cutoff point to consider making a change at quarterback on Monday's press conference. Some interesting stuff here. Rivera said, quote, there are a lot of guys that gave their hearts and put their heart out on the field. Truthfully, they deserve better. When you look at the way Duran Payne played and Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat, guys like that are leaving that on the field. John Bostic, guys played hard. Then you turn around on the offensive side. These guys in the offensive line were battling too. The backs, the receivers, the tight ends. You have to say at some point there is, I'll cross that bridge when I get there, there is a cutoff point for me, end quote. Rivera did make it clear, though, that he is backing Haskins 100%, <laughs> I guess. Uh, sounds like it on that quote, but he compared his experience with Cam Newton during his time with Carolina, saying that he had to take his lumps and now look at him. So, Noel, you wrote an amazing article on this subject. I, I'd like to give your, you the floor on this one. Well, I mean, I can tell you this is a quick turnaround from the rah-rah speech that uh, Dwayne Hassens gave at halftime on the week one. That's for damn sure. That was a long time ago. That, that was many moons ago <laughs> at this point. But, you know, you don't need to start calling out your quarterback yet. Yes, you want him to perform better. But there are other players on the field as well. Guys are working hard. I stated that in my article that guys are fighting on a team that doesn't have that much talent. And I think that it's a little early on to say, hey, this guy's playing hard. This guy's playing hard. You suck in yeah. a backdoor way of doing it. It wasn't even a backdoor. Set it straight up. Yeah. If you want to look at the tape and, and start calling people out on a regular basis, that's your business. But there are a couple other guys that could use a kick in the ass, too. And Haskins played a shitty game. All right. What are you beating a dead horse for? We get it. You want people to be held accountable. We got you, Ron. We gotcha. And again, going back to what I was saying on the earlier episode, there's a double standard here. You want these guys to play through and through and play hard. Well, you're calling out five, six guys that played their asses off in that game, but yet you threw in the towel with five minutes left in the game. So where's your commitment to them throughout the game and saying, you know what? You guys killed it. Let's finish strong here. Right. I didn't see that. And it's funny because Kyler Murray, who torched Washington last week, he had three picks and two touchdowns. You know, nobody's calling for his head. Look, Haskins played like shit. We can all admit that. But I do think that he did show some growth as well. I think the offensive coordinator showed some growth. I think they got more creative. They did what we were saying to do, get the ball to the playmakers, things like that. And <clears throat> I don't see how this helps at all with what Rivera's saying. No. You're patting him on the back saying, Haskins, I mean, it's going to be okay. I'm behind you 100%. And you come out publicly and say this shit. And then on top of that, the guys that you're playing that are playing so hard and leaving it all out on the field and then not calling timeouts to give them a chance, the same guys that stop them to give up that field goal to keep it a two-score game, which you refuse to call timeouts for. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth and doing two completely different things. I hope to God that somebody is coming to him and be like, look, what are you doing? You know, They're not. They're not. This is his baby. And um, it's going to be a ride or die situation. And this goes back. To, and we talked about this before the season started. It was the consistent call out of Haskins by Rivera. He wanted him to be accountable. Get in the books. Get in shape. This and that. You rarely heard him specifying other players on the team in the offseason on Zoom. 
It was always Haskins walking on eggshells, making sure that Haskins didn't feel comfortable. Now, he got the starting job. He looked good in practice. He gave Haskins accolades on what he was doing up to that point. Hell, he was all over every damn interview he was gloating about what Haskins did at halftime in that Eagles game. Now you're shitting on the dude when the going gets tough. And this is the third time. This is a trifecta here. Two games where he could have utilized timeouts that he didn't have faith in his ball club. Now he doesn't have faith in his quarterback. What's next? This kid has played minimal football, okay? He played like dog shit. I am not defending that aspect of it. Yes, get him in the room and say, look, Dwayne. You got to get better, man. You got to make better decisions. And I'm sure he's done all that. I'm sure Dwayne's just as hard on himself about that game. But you to come out because some person asks a question about, these guys played really hard. What do you think? And then he just has diarrhea of the mouth (laughs) about individually calling out guys that played hard and without name, but knowing, like you said, knowing who the hell he's talking about that basically it's a shame. You're the one that lost the game for us. Well, it's okay for us to say that. Because we're just guys on a podcast, but your head coach, game three? Really? I just don't see what the payoff is. Well, to finish with this, apparently, I don't know if you saw this or not, but over the offseason, Rivera actually talked to Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer told him, you need to be hard on Dwayne. That's how he excels, because he's kind of uh, aloof, kind of needs that kick in the ass. But I think he's just going over the top with it. Like he said for Chase Young, for instance, he doesn't need shit. He's just going to murder people and and work his ass off. You don't need to do anything with him. But it's okay to do it behind closed doors. But to tell reporters and everybody that'll listen on a press conference that he's sucked and the reason you lost the game was him, that's not a good look. Right. Would you do that to Landon Collins getting burned five times in the game after you looked at the tape? Hell no, he wouldn't do that. He needs to talk to Saban first before he does that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's so pointless. We get it. He played like shit. Move on. Either bench his ass or support him. One of the two. Agreed. But this is par for the course for him. That's that's strike three for me. I'm not off the Rivera bandwagon completely, but as far as him being a little two-faced, that's the third strike for me. Yeah, it's weird. All right, let's move on to the NBA. We're apparently... Yeah, oh... You remember that? Yeah, it's the NBA. (laughs) It's a real thing. I mean, there's the NBA Finals coming up. That makes me feel pretty good, but I hate both teams, but... The Wizards are not in the NBA Finals. Oh, damn it. Never mind. I'm not going to watch it then. So we're going to talk some Bradley Beal trade rumors. What do you think? Oh, Uh, Jesus. It's been at least two weeks, so we got to make sure that we talk about that. (laughs) So apparently, uh, Bradley Beal bought a $6.8 million mansion in Los Angeles. Not a bad chunk of change there. But as always, uh, Beal is part of yet another trade rumor, being that the Clippers and the Lakers play in L.A., in case you didn't know, and maybe that's news to people. But Beal even said that Clippers forward Paul George is a close friend, and he was actually with George when he was traded to Oklahoma City. They were hanging out and holding hands, whatever they were doing. And um, just to remind you all, Beal has a three-year, $64 million contract remaining with the Wizards. Doesn't mean he can't be traded, but you know, I'll talk on this real quick. I think this is nothing. Yet another trade rumor. Let's just talk about the NBA because we should just talk about the NBA. (laughs) Something other than Washington. I miss it, man. I miss it. (laughs) A $6.8 million mansion, though. Venice Beach. I'm telling you, this is his wife's doing. Absolutely. This is totally his wife's doing. Is it his wife or his girlfriend? I don't know what the hell she is. Baby mama, daddy. (laughs) I, I don't know what the hell she is, but... The fact is, she definitely has his ear on things, especially after that that rampage she went on about him not making the All-NBA team. I mean, 
let me quote one here. Since we're talking about the NBA, Bradley Beal is an effing all-star and all-NBA. Put some respect on his name. Yeah. You know, like crap like that. I mean, dude, I get a supportive wife or girlfriend, but, you know. She wants that Supermax money. She doesn't give a shit. Hell, <laughs> That's all she, she wants. wanted. A, she wanted a $10 million mansion. <laughs> right. Fuck the 6.8 bullshit. Yeah, you know how disappointed she was when he bought that? He's like, he went the cheaper route. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, honey. Yeah. You know, I just, the 8.7, it's nice, but. She really <laughs> wanted the indoor pool and he just, he put his foot down. Yeah, he's all man. To be honest with you, though, with him getting a house out there, I could see where rumors, this rumor out of all of them is a tad more justified than some of the other bullshit that we've heard. I will say that because he's getting a location out in LA where he has really no ties. I mean, what, because he probably went into a fucking strip club with Paul George a couple of times. Now they're buddies and he's going to move in next door. Yeah, hey, Noel, s- slow down. He starts every interview with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, he would never do oh such I a see. Thing. I see. So it was just topless strip clubs. <laughs> Yeah, the pasties. (laughs) So, but this one does hold a little bit more. It's nothing. I'm not defending the rumor, but I'm saying he did buy a location in a place. If he bought it in Florida, okay, nobody would even think about it because that's one of his stomping grounds. But LA, that seems kind of a random location. I just think this is coming from his wife because his wife wants to be in Hollywood. Is it? One of his stomping grounds, the guy's from St. Louis. Well, he went to the University of Florida. That's okay. He's not going to buy a $6.8 million mansion in fucking Missouri. Who the hell's going to do that? Even if you're from there, who the fuck's going to buy a place there? there for a year. It doesn't fucking count, but hey. No, but what I'm saying is, is that if he bought a place in Florida, it's still close by, you know, buy one in Mar-a-Lago, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I was going (laughs) to say, yeah, you're right. This may be a large purchase in a random place. Uh, not random. I mean, people like to live in LA, right? Sure. But, you know, John Wall lives in Miami on the off season. Yeah, I mean, technically, I guess every season is an off season for John Wall, but you know what I'm saying. But I guess there could be concern because of the Paul George relationship, maybe, but they're all friends. All these like top level players are boys. Yeah. Give me know? a break. All these guys are buddy buddy and they go out and hang out at the all star game as well. If Bill made it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he would have been hanging. How, how much shit do you think they give him for that? Oh, my God. <laughs> they like FaceTimed him at the club. <laughs> so, boy, where you at? Oh, shit. Yeah, where you at? Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, this is all bullshit. I will say this, though. If this team doesn't pan out this year, then you can start taking some of these trade rumors real serious. Agreed, but he's not going anywhere. I th- no. It always takes a, a shitty season getting through it, then starting the new season to kind of, you know, forget about that and get excited about the new one. And he knows Wall's coming back. He is hopefully still friends with Wall and even more so than Paul George. So, you know, he's already got his boy on the team until the season starts and they hate each other again. Right. Well, he's got his woman telling him what to do right now. So, I mean, he's had a lot of home time lately with COVID and everything else and sitting home. So he's just like, baby, do what you got to do. Well, I will say this to finish in staffing. (laughs) I could relate it to this. I can't count how many placements of candidates that have been fucked up by their wives. It's unbelievable. They're like, oh, I've got an offer. I got to go talk to my wife. And I know it's over immediately. Immediately. (laughs) Seriously, huh? No joke. Wow. Men, whatever. It doesn't mess up anything. It's always the wife. So she just puts the kibosh on on the hire, huh? He's like, oh, wow, this sounds really good, but um, I'm going to have to talk it over at dinner with her. And then he comes back the next day. Um, 
Well, I, I, I don't think this is right for me. This is no exaggeration. Fucking spineless jellyfish. That is the number one reason that offers for contractors or permanent employees fall through is talking to the wife. 100%. Well, I can tell you that's why he bought that $6.8 million mansion. <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Back to football. Well, we are, but some teams aren't so lucky. The NCAA has been a mess due to COVID outbreaks. One in particular, my USF Bulls played Notre Dame, got the shit kicked out of them. But Notre Dame had 10 players test positive and had to postpone their game against Wake Forest. USF said that they were tested twice on the Friday before the game by the AAC and the ACC. That's actually interesting. I didn't realize that they had to do that for both conferences. They all came back negative. But as a result, USF had to stop on-field activities because of contact tracing, as they call it, with Notre Dame and postponed their game with FAU, who consequently had 11 cases themselves earlier this year, FAU being. Gosh. It's all uh, a tangled web here. But, uh, you know, fast forward to the following Thursday, USF had seven positive tests as a result of playing Notre Dame, presumably. So we can all agree the college football world is a little bit of a mess right now due to this COVID thing. But... Now it's moved its way to the NFL. To the big time. To the big time. The NFL announced that after the Titans-Vikings game last Sunday, multiple players tested positive. Tennessee specifically had three positive tests for players and five for personnel. As of yesterday morning, the Vikings still claim that they have zero positive tests. Now, it could be in the uh, hibernation stage, whatever the hell it is, before they Or can they ha- just ask Kirk. Or they <laughs> <laughs> Kirk, do your do your magic. Pray it away, Kirk. Pray it away, damn you. Yeah, Miyagi on uh, Danielson. Yeah, yeah. Like- <laughs> the hands. Now, what's going on right now with the Vikings and the Titans? Any in-person activities for both teams have been suspended pending further developments. This Sunday, the Titans host the Steelers. The Vikings are traveling to Houston. No word on those games if they are being postponed or not. All right. So, what did they think was going to happen with these college kids? Really? Did they think that? You know, they're not going to go out. They're just going to sit in their dorm room and, you know, play chess or definitely not chess, but checkers or something like that. You know what I no, mean? No, you get a rah-rah speech from Chip Kelly saying, please wear your mask so we can win a national championship. <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, these kids don't give a shit. Look at the look at the beaches, right? Yeah. It's absurd. I mean, anybody who thinks that an 18-year-old kid is going to abide by what their coach is saying when you got a hundred players on the fucking roster you think they're going to go to parties with their masks on really you really think that i mean or they'll they'll look they're going to look gazing outside of their (laughs) dorm room window while everybody's like partying it up in kiddie pools and shit filled with oil (laughs) yeah like like monty burns yeah Yeah, just staring out the window just watching everything happen these mosh pits of people and you're just sitting there like hey man I got a ring to win. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> it's just bullshit because I think it's kind of like these schools and, and these conferences are coming to the realization that COVID's just now kind of part of life. It's not a big deal. It's like the flu. And they're not treating it very seriously, to me anyway, from the outside looking in. The real question is, what's going to happen if one of these kids get really sick or shit, even die? You know what I mean? What's going to happen then? That's when shit's going to get real. And especially in college, we're talking about lawsuits. And I'm sure those guys, though, they sign their lives away. But, you know, I think you could get around that if you really wanted to. But I just don't feel like these people really care. They don't really care what happens. The only payoff is that they're going to be making money. That's That's it. it. They don't give a shit. This is just indentured servitude. I've talked about it before. And it's this is just a glaring microcosm of how the NCAA operates. And we don't even have some of the big conferences playing yet. Yeah. 
Okay, look, there have been 22 games so far in the season rescheduled or canceled. 22. As of this last weekend, okay? Big Ten hasn't even started yet. They don't even start till the end of October. You got the SEC who just started this last weekend. You got the ACC. These big conferences, and some of them are having people in the crowds. And going back to the players aspect of things, these guys just have to be able to live life. We're not talking about just going out and partying and freaking, you know, having orgies. Which I'm sure they love to do, but no. And I'm sure they have. Good for them. I mean, shit. You got to get paid somehow. But, I mean, (laughs) these guys have to be able to go out and be outside of a two-by-two dorm. Right. It's just math here, Matt. And you have to think about the uncontrollables as well. All the people that aren't wearing masks. I mean, it's been proven that you're wearing a mask to protect people around you, not necessarily right. protect yourself. It does lower the percentage, of course. But if you have an asshole at the at the gas station who's sitting there getting a lotto ticket for 10 minutes and you're sitting there with your thumb up your ass behind him and he's not wearing a mask, how the hell do you know? And people got to go outside once in a while. They can't lock themselves in their dorm. Well, look, right. And you were saying before that it's just this is the new norm. We're going to just push forward, push forward, push forward. If bodies start to fall off as we go, we're just going to stay the course. And you were joking at the beginning where I'm going to work full time again. Nothing's changed. No. Nope. I might as well have just stayed at work at in since March. Nothing's changed. The cases are the same, but we're going with a blind eye, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The death toll keeps climbing, and right. just, I, I, people I mean, are acting and, like it's not around anymore. And now, going to the NFL part of it, well, now it's getting real, real. Yep. This is a situation where games could be cost. Titans are a competitive football team, man. They got a game coming up on Sunday. What are we doing here? These games are critical games. I was thinking about it. Why wouldn't they have just made one bye week for everybody? You know what I mean? This is a buffer zone? Yeah, because you know this is going to happen eventually. Right. So now you have to worry about, okay, well, this team has a bye week in week six, and this team has a bye week in week 11. And I know that they don't want to do that, obviously, because that means a week off of the NFL. But when you think about it from a realistic standpoint, that would make the most sense. And you can't think that not being in a bubble, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but eventually this shit was going to happen. We knew it was. And you know, you got to plan for it. So what are you going to do now? Make a week 18? Well, I I mean, at least with college, they have a little bit of leeway when it comes to, okay, we can reschedule this game because there's usually slots that they keep available for potential games that they were going to fill in at a later date. So they have that breathing room. But you're right. With the NFL, it's do or die. I mean, if the Titans can't play on Sunday, what? I guess they're going to have to forfeit. If Minnesota can't play on Sunday, what the hell are these teams going to do? Well, Minnesota should just give up the season now anyway, if you ask me. Oh, I'm loving that. Oh, it's so great. (laughs) Speaking of quarterbacks that are shit in the bed. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. But also, it could be a benefit to them. And hear me out for a second. Okay. It's a tale of two tapes because you've got Tennessee that's playing like a complete beast right now. Yes, they're winning games at tough games at the last second in some cases, but they're winning. They've got momentum building. Minnesota's like, please (laughs) give us a break. Kirk might have prayed for some COVID. Just to get the fuck off the field for a little while. How great is it, though, that if it was going to happen to any team, I know Minnesota hasn't, oh, had, so good. hasn't had any cases. The Lord works in mysterious <laughs> ways, Matt. Very true. Well, we've also talked about the quality of play on the field. Okay, let's just say that they quarantine these people, these players that have gotten COVID, and then they move on. Well, 
some of these players aren't that big time. It's not going to damage as much. But when it happens to players that are critical players, like let's say a quarterback, let's say Aaron Rodgers gets COVID on Thursday. He ain't going to make it back for the Sunday game. I know that they're like the uh, stonemasons over there and they do whatever the hell they want. But he ain't making it there on Sunday to play a football game. Well, they have to take 10 days off one way or the other. Exactly. You have to be away for 10 days. It's not an injury, though. You know, these are situations that the NFL, to a certain extent, and the NCAA have created this mess. And they've created the opportunities for these players to lose out on playing games. So is it the organization's fault completely? Should they lose a lot of their good personnel and have to trudge ahead with backup players because NCAA and the NFL need to have a product on the field. I personally think it's bullshit. Well, I'm totally fine with the NFL playing. I mean, these guys are getting paid. They had opt-outs. No, yeah, yeah. But college, it's inexcusable. It's absolutely inexcusable. They've had more problems than anybody, maybe outside of Major League Baseball. And as you mentioned, had to delay starts and cancel games or postpone games and all that. They're being incredibly irresponsible, yet you expect your 18-year-old kids to be responsible, wear masks, and not leave it. It's such bullshit. Rivera must be running the NCAA. You think so? With the double standards. (laughs) You're absolutely right. You're expecting kids to be adults, but the adults are acting like kids. And they're not taking this seriously. And we're nickel and diming this shit just to get a couple extra pennies. That's what this is all about. And the poor Big Ten tries to do the right thing and they get vilified for it. You know, and they're like, uh, all right, I guess I guess we'll start. But you were mentioning before that this is a microcosm of college football or the NCAA specifically. This is a microcosm of this country. That's the yeah. problem. And the people that are higher up that make these decisions, they don't give a shit. Nope. And I'm not referring to the government. I'm talking about, and well, they don't really either. But if we're talking about sports, we're talking about guys that are looking at the, the people that line. run shit. Yeah. yeah. There are bean counters and they look at the bottom line. How is this going to affect my business right and let the chips fall where they may and let them fucking burn if they have to yeah i mean this is true in any facet whether it be your personal job or in pro sports ncaa they are going to find a way to try to make money on a product at the expense of people it's been happening since the beginning of time the thing is matt you're not just getting pressure from above you're getting pressure from below as well these narcissistic self-absorbed fans I have to have my sports. Let's get back to normalcy. And you're feeling this. Like you said, the Big Ten is ostracized. Why? Because they're starting in October. Give me a break, man. Well, they were ostracized because they weren't going to do it at all. And they were the only ones. Right. And I you know, applauded them. And so did you. Exactly. This shoot first, ask questions later shit has to end. It has to because this stuff will never be resolved. And we're going to continue to see cases like this. But they're still going to be making their money off of it. And you know what we're going to lose? We're going to lose good players and good quality on the field in situations that they should never be playing to begin with. All right. Agreed, Noel. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Please share this show on social media. Speaking of sharing, we want to give a big thank you to a fan of the show. I think he goes by Jay, but it's his Twitter handle is at jman1385. Go ahead and follow him while you're at it. Good man. He's very smart. He is. Uh, Jay's always sharing, <laughs> liking. He's he, he even goes out of his way to promote the show. So yeah. He doesn't just retweet. He actually like types his own thing. Listen to this show. Does more to promote the show than I do. Well, that's for damn sure. That's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you for taking time out of your day to do it. We know you don't have to, but we really appreciate it. But hey, if you want us to do a shout out to you, help us out and start sharing some damn posts. It's not that hard, okay? If you do, I will. Uh, How about that? That's a promise. Yeah, don't promise things you can't back up, okay? (laughs) Again, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook group. Also, our website, BeltwaySportsRose.com. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you on Friday.